Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 54. And you can always launch the Bible app and follow along the notes right there. They'll be printed out for you. And you can also add, the, add some notes of your own. Well, God has been speaking this word to us out of Isaiah 54. We as a church are recognizing that God is growing us. And he has given us this word as a local body. But before I get to the context of what I'm speaking uh, to us as a church, I want you to understand I'm not just speaking a message to a group of members in a church. I'm actually speaking principles that are very personal and that have an application to your individual life. And that I believe that as God is speaking to us about our future, that if we do not grow as sons and daughters, as, as those who have been anointed by God for this time, then we'll never enter into what God has for us corporately. But if we say, all right, God, whatever you're saying to me right now, I'm going to grow to the fullest extent, then I can promise you Calvary Church will walk in her destiny and calling in this region. Amen and amen. Now, Isaiah 54 has been the, the text, and we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks. And by the way, next week, you don't want to miss it. Uh, Peter Warren, my Aussie friend from uh, Youth with a Mission, will be here. And he's kind of continuing in that series, looking forward to that. Uh, he is going to be uh, speaking uh, to us out of this passage and, and, and sharing what's on his heart connected to vision. Uh, but Today, I want you to go to Isaiah 54, and let's read these five verses again, because this is God's right now word for us, and many people need a right now word, and here it is. It says, sing, O barren, you have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Now, if I was to summarize this kind of prophetic statement to all of us, it would be summarized in this statement. Calvary, God is calling us as individuals and as a church to expand. Now, when you, when you look back, uh, even last week, we talked about uh, you know, the expansion of this, this physical building. And we're talking about the, the, the new building on the 20 acres that is, that is coming across the, the, the street from Hernando Elementary. If you didn't get an opportunity to see that message... Uh, go to our YouTube page, you can go to calvary.online, and you can actually uh, listen to some of those particulars. Now, the first week in this series, God spoke to us about expanding our legacy. And how did he say it? He said, sing, O barren. He said, I'm going to do such a work in the barren bride, it's going to surprise you. Now, if you just look at the church uh, from the outside, uh, looking in, 
If you look at the Church of America, everybody is saying, oh, it's in demise, it's in decline, it's, it's going away, it's going to be an afterthought, it won't have any influence. I'm here to tell you that God's word to us is this, sing, O barren, because many are your children. God is going to do a work in the barren bride of the last day. He's pouring out his spirit, and listen, you better get ready for many people coming into the kingdom. Oh, glory to God. They may not look like you. They're certainly not going to come in in a tie and a suit. Come on. Well, maybe they will. That would certainly not look like us if they came in in a tie and a suit. But God is saying, listen, you're going to have many children. This is the word of the Lord to you. And I've got, I just got to tell you, I'm crazy enough as a pastor and as a believer to believe what God said. So I'm, I'm going to reannounce it to you. I said it two weeks ago. Your barren season is over. Your barrenness is over. Your life will produce what God has intended it to produce. You are going to partner with God. And one day in heaven, he's going to say, oh, you remember when your heart was knit to mine and your life began to produce what you were made to produce. You say, yep, I remember. It was April of 2023. But then God says, okay, all right, now listen, now that I'm addressing your barrenness, I've got to address your environment, which is what we spoke about last week. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains, the people that you're willing to cover. Strengthen your cords and your stakes. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. He says, you need to sink those roots down deep into intimacy with Jesus because God says, I'm going to expand your capacity to cover people if you're willing. As you ask God this question, God, how many people am I called to reach? I know, don't look at me dumbfounded when I, when I say, yeah, it's you. You say, pastor, that's your job. I'm just supposed to sit up and I'm just supposed to sit up and not fall asleep in your sermons. No, <laughs> no, no. That's, I, I mean, I would appreciate you paying attention. I mean, if you fall asleep, you're not going to get anything out of this sermon, but rest. But if you'll realize that you're here for more than, more than just listening to a sermon, but actually the words of God are seed that will go into your heart and begin to, they will begin to produce, you'll say, oh man, God, my life is actually meant to partner with you. I am actually meant to lead people to Christ. So I need to get ready. I need to grow in authority. I need to grow in my capacity to cover and disciple people. And I'm going to grow in intimacy with God. I'm going I'm to know his voice. He's going to speak to me night and day and day and night. And I'm going to just be going throughout the course of my day and I'm so intimate with God that even the slightest the, the slightest inner witness of the Holy Spirit is going to cause me to step into his will and purpose in any given moment. Listen to me church, this is how you live with a mindset of expansion. Now today I want us to to look a little deeper into expanding our influence and we're going to look at Isaiah 54:3 but just the first couple of words he says these powerful words he says for you shall expand to the right and to the left Anybody got a one track mind Every man in the house lifts their hand I mean, if something's on television, I cannot hear anything but the NBA game. 
So I try to tell my wife, I am not responsible for anything you tell me to do. Yeah, it didn't work for me either. <laughs> no, we, we tend to be, just as a people, one track. We're one track mind. We could just go wondering, Lord, I just want to get a good education. I just want to get a good job. Just have a family and 2.5 kids and live the American dream. Okay, one track, one track, one track. And yet here God says, no, it's right and left. It's right and left. No, it's not just one track. It's right and left. He said, you shall expand to the right and the left. Now, when God speaks and he says, I'm breaking barrenness off of your life, and I'm going to enlarge your tent. How many of you know, if you have a big tent and barrenness broken off, you can actually give birth to broken people that you just gather, and all you do is you gather broken people, and you just put them in one tent, just leave them broken. See, God wants us to expand the influence that flows through our life. And here's, here's the truth, that when you first came to him, you were really broken. But aren't you glad that today you're farther along in your walk with God and that he's making you, you are a new creation and you're being made new day after day, walking in greater victory. Or you should be, you can be. You see... If we're going to really expand, we got to grow in influence. So it's right and left. And expanding influence means this, new territory. It means new ministries birthed. Not ministries birthed by the leadership of the church. You misinterpret the scriptures when you think all ministry or ministry opportunities are supposed to be birthed by the church. No, ministry, the new ministry that will be birthed will be because you put your stakes down deep into Jesus. You strengthen the cords of intimacy in your life and suddenly God begin to speak to you and you're like, oh, pastor, I got to get with you. I got an appointment. I got to tell you what God's speaking to me. I got to tell you what God wants to do in and through my life. That's how ministry really gets birthed. You see, what the church has been doing for so long is that we think, oh, okay, let's just keep them busy. Let's make another ministry. And what that is, it's like baby food. I got to tell you, man, man, little arrow, my grandson, that little brother in one month, gained five pounds on an all-natural diet. You know what that means, straight from mom. And, and so, but I was, I was holding him the other day, and I caught him. I was holding him, and we were making some food, and I saw, I saw his little neck snap and look at the food. I'm like, your day is coming, boy. I mean, <laughs> not yet. 
Or if Pop Pop sneaks you some food, don't tell Mama, okay? <laughs> but you know what we do? You know, first you take a baby and you give them baby food. But if you eat baby food as an adult, it's disgusting. But you know what we've been doing as a church? Oh, come on, come on. Let me just water down some ministry. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a little baby food ministry. Oh, come on, come on. Come on. Let's go witness. Go reach people. No one likes it. You know what the church has been producing? Dependence. Go into all the world and create dependence. That's what we have been producing. But when you say, nope, we're not giving you baby food. Get yourself driven deep into Jesus. Allow him to do a deep work in your life. Holy Spirit's amazing. He'll start talking to you. And when he starts talking and moving in your life, here's what happens. New ministry just starts flowing out of you. New businesses will pop up and just flow right out of you. New ways of blessing will flow right up. I know you come to me, well, pastor, I think we ought to go and pass out tracts in the neighborhood. You should. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I mean all of it. No, yeah, yeah, you. I mean, after all, you've all signed up to bless every home and you're a light in your neighborhood and you've been praying for five neighbors a day through blesseveryhome.com, haven't you? Some of you are looking at me cross-eyed like you don't know what I'm talking about. Blesseveryhome.com. Go ahead and sign up to be a light in your neighborhood. You'll get five names every day and pray for those neighbors. And God will give you divine opportunities to minister to them. And listen, that ministry flows out of you. And so when God says expand to the right and the left, he's not saying, man, I sure hope those pastors come up with great ideas. He's saying, I hope and pray that my people will so get connected to me that my heart for the ministry I've designed for them as we mentioned last week, will begin to manifest in a full way. It's expanding to the right and the left. It's new. It's new. There are new mountains to shine upon. How many of you know Hollywood needs the, the influence of believers? Oh, I don't get a lot of amens on that one. I know some of y'all are just like, man, I wish California would just break off and fall in the ocean. Y'all don't know the heart of Jesus. You know, he's still got a plan for California. By the way, we welcome all the Californians here to Florida. <laughs> we love you. Well, what I'm saying is, is that God wants to raise up some believers who are intimate because Hollywood can't figure out why you would take a movie called The Chosen, you put it on the screens and it performs better than the hundreds of millions of dollars of production they're putting. And they thought, wow, this is really going to make it. And then it gets crushed by a story about Jesus. Why? Because God wants to shine light and he wants the church to grow in influence, not only in, in entertainment, but in government. How many of the government needs a little light? By the way, you don't just shine light on government by, by praying. That's a good way. But by supporting righteous legislation based upon the word of God. Not on personality. You need a platform that's based upon this book. 
Not about personality. Glory to God. We, we need to shine lights. We need to be at the forefront as the church saying, let's write righteous, righteous legislation. There's tons of these. How about in the school? We need, to, we need to say, God, let's look for new opportunities. I want you to be praying with me right now. There is a huddle, an FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes huddle, that I was just a part of last Tuesday. There, uh, some said close to 300 but someone who, who counted, told me, posted about this. I was preaching the gospel in Inverness Middle School this Tuesday morning, asking the questions of 6th, 7th, and 8th grader, the most important question God will ever ask you. Who do you say that I am? And I watched kids lift their hands and say, I say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We had, listen to me, listen to me, uh, we had... Uh, according to one count, and let the hearer discern, we had 222 students in the gymnasium that morning. I can't make it up, 222. There it is again. But what am I saying? There's something to be stewarded. You know, you can't just say, oh, man, man, we're just done with the school system. No. How about you get up early in the morning and say, oh, God, would you make me a light? Would you give, would you, would the, is there some area to the right or to the left where I can step into something new? Now, when you go places you've never been, it does require clear instructions about how to expand to the right and the left. And Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 kind of gives us this. It says, be very careful how you live. Come on, saints, we need this today. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16, here it is, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We are to live as believers carefully stewarding opportunity by understanding the revealed will of God. Now, throughout Scripture, God tells us what His will is, but we need to steward the opportunities to step into that. So when we're expanding in influence and moving out to the right and to the left, we are stewarding opportunities. They are new areas. There are all kinds of passages I could have chosen about entering into new, new areas throughout the Scripture, but I, I believe that, that God wants to highlight so a, a few different scriptures so that we understand what are the right and left opportunities God has revealed that we should steward. These are all around us, and they're always around us. So if we're going to grow in influence, first we have to steward the opportunity to evangelize. We spent an entire series on how important it is how to share our faith, how to share our story. Just go back just a few weeks on our website and go and listen to those messages. Remember that one deep theological point, use bait? Some of you are like, I don't know what he's talking about. Just go back and listen to the series. 
You see, we, got, we have to steward the opportunity to evangelize. Listen to the last words of Jesus before he ascended, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's saying, listen, uh, it's Jerusalem to the right, and Judea to the left, and Samaria to the right, and to ultimately the ends of the earth. There will be an opportunity to evangelize. Notice Matthew 28, how Jesus said this. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Now, what does that mean? Jesus was announcing a new age. There is an age that began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church, and that age will come to an end when Jesus Christ returns for his bride. Right now, we are in that age. It's called the age of grace, the age of God's undeserved favor. And what we have right now is the opportunity to partner with the drawing power of the Holy Spirit in the earth. Did you know that that is the role of the Holy Spirit is to draw people to Jesus? Some of you are wondering as you're sitting in this room, why is my heart beginning to burn the way it is? It's because you're experiencing the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. He's pointing you to get ever closer to Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus. And the way that one of the ways that we partner with the Holy Spirit is we share the gospel. Did you know that the power of God is to show up when you speak? In this age, my Bible tells me that these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That just, that, they don't coddle demons. Oh, just be nicer to your demon. Be more understanding to the demon. Heard something so foolish come out of a movie the other day. We, we never get free of our demons. I'm like, people listen to this. No, the scripture says we'll cast out demons. We'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. How do you do that? By opening your mouth and say, Satan, that's far enough. Disease, that's far enough. You begin to open your mouth and what happens, listen, let me give it to you another way. You look at the unbeliever and says, boy, do I have some good news for you. Now, some of you may be here today and you're like, okay, I don't really know what to say. Well, let me, you should write this down, 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to take you there. I'm going to show you. Where the good news is listed, 1 Corinthians 15 really will focus just on 3 and 4, but listen to this whole, uh, these verses, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning of verse 1, moreover the brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, 
which also you received in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Listen to this. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. So here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Here's what you share. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, on the third day, according to the scriptures. You say, well, what's the good news? Well, here's the deal. Why did Christ have to die for our sins? Because sin separated all of us from God. Don't believe in the modern mumbo-jumbo that says, oh, no, they're good people. They just don't know Jesus yet. No, none of us are good apart from God. Our hearts are woefully wicked apart from being born again. Our minds will only tend to the flesh. They have to be renewed by God after you get born again. And then you have to die daily to your flesh and live according to the Spirit of God. No, none of us are good. Our righteousness is as a filthy rag before God. None of us are good until we believe in what the good one did for us. Because he loved us, Christ died for us to pay the penalty of sin, which was eternal separation from God and death. He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures. Do you know why he was raised from the dead? Because all who place faith in him receive what he came out of the grave with. Resurrection life. Let me give you the other word for resurrection life. It's eternal life. It's the life that death can't touch. It's the life that has no mastery over it. That's why born again people who are filled with eternal life can say, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, I do not feel the sting of the grave because I have been given life and life eternal through faith in the one who conquered the grave. So where do we share that? Where do we share that? Where do those right and left opportunities arise? On our journey in life. It's not just when we organize it and go out. It's not just a mission trip that we plan in obedience to whatever God is saying. No, it's in our everyday uh, journeys in life. I prayerfully believe God is making you an everyday evangelist. I know you're really excited. Oh, you're like, oh, look, look, there's going to be a lot of people at this one event. Let's go there and witness. Hey, hey, I got an idea. There's going to be a lot of people tomorrow, 9 a.m., where you work. <laughs> and guess what? They'll come back tomorrow. And if they're good at their job, they may be there for months or years. And if you're good at your job, you'll be there for months or years. Listen, you share the gospel in your everyday, uh, uh, you know, 
Share it with a friend who's struggling. You hear somebody struggling? Share the good news. How about this? Share the gospel with a friend when things are going really well. Especially the unbeliever, something good happens to them. Just bust out with a praise God. When they tell you, hey, I can't believe it. I got this opportunity. Just bust out. Praise God. They'll be like, what? <laughs> Why? Because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. I need to be able to tell you why good things are happening. It's so God could put me here to tell you why they're happening. On the journey of life. How about this? On a plane. I know some of you, like, you're wishing the mask mandate would come back for planes. Then you wouldn't have to talk to people. <laughs> Please. I, w I hope they don't talk to me. I really want to sleep and rest. You know what? If you're traveling, I'm praying for turbulence. Because then the seatbelt light stays on and they can't even get up to pee. Just go and preach the gospel. It's a captive audience, 30,000 feet. They're a little closer to Jesus anyway. Come on. I'd say some of those things are just, but you know, there's all kinds of opportunities to share. Have you ever been at the bedside of somebody who you know death is knocking at their door? Now let me just tell you, that is an awesome time to share the gospel. That's when you ought to stand there and boldly say, listen, I, I, I would love to stand here and share niceties with you, but I have got to know, do you know that God loves you and he sent his son for you and that if you'll repent and believe, the weight of sin will lift off of you and should you leave this planet, you will, op you will open your eyes in the rarefied air of heaven, draw in the breath of God's love for the first time and you will know why you've been created, to know God and to be with him for eternity. Oh, it's a great time. It's in the journey of life, but we have to what? We have to take the opportunities to what? Tell his story, which is the gospel, and our story. Sharing the gospel is an essential part of the Christian life. Church, you found the bread of life. Share it. Share it. Evangelism, by the way, is not a matter of preference or, or elective based on personality. And it's also not based upon performance. You can't just simply say, oh, well, I'm not good at witnessing, so I don't do it. I, I, don't, I don't share my faith because nobody gets saved when I, when I share. Well, duh, nobody gets saved because of us. Salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit drawing people in to relationship with Jesus, but he is waiting on a people to open their mouth and give him something to act upon. 
So share the gospel. Share your story. You see, God has chosen us to carry the message that he moves on when we take the opportunity. And, and the way you do that is 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but, but in your hearts revere Christ as the Lord. That means he's the master of your life. You laid down the reins of your life. You, you, you laid down uh, the ability to control your life. You say, God, I give that to you. It says, in my heart, I revere you, our Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, what's the reason for the hope that you have? But do this with gentleness and respect. This is how you do it. Now, let me give you a couple of others quickly. When you're expanding to the right and the left, we have to steward opportunities to empathize with people. And boy, I tell you what, that is like something that is missing from culture these days. Empathy is to put yourself in another's position. Empathy, it awakens compassion within us that allows you to feel others' physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. And then, listen, do something about it. Notice how Jesus views those who seize the opportunities uh, to uh, empathize. He says, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger and you invited me in, I needed clothes and you clothed me, I was sick and you looked after me, I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when, we, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He said, listen, when you looked into their eyes and you saw their need and were, you were filled with empathy and compassion and then you met that need... You looked into their eyes, you didn't just see them. Church, don't just label people by their brokenness. Look into their eyes, empathize with them, and see Jesus. When you empathize with people, you certainly then become available. Now, not everybody has a, a, a mercy gift, but every believer can be moved by compassion. And really, this, this sets the stage for us to be used in very practical ways. By the way, this is not just for the down and out, but for everyone who is being destroyed by the enemy. By the way, yes, we can reach out to the homeless, but you know what we do if we only look to the right of the homeless, you know who we neglect? The wealthy. And so we, we just turn our eyes away from them. Well, I guess they can just go to hell. No, no. Satan's destroying them. They think they can trust in their wealth that that will deliver them, but it won't. So what do we do? We need to empathize 
with them and remember when we too were deceived and thought other things would satisfy. When, when we, we represent Christ's empathy by caring for the hurting and serving with humility, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, 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 a real practical for example that you can follow through on this week. Every week, there are parents here with small children. Every week. And they'll come through the door, and sometimes it's a single mom, and it was all she could do to get out the door with her toddler and her infant. Because her boyfriend didn't want to come to church, but there is something on the inside of her that says, I need God. I need something to change. I need something to move in my life. And then we have a very practical ministry called the nursery. That that woman can say, I have been working night and day caring for children, but just for a moment, would you mind caring for my child so that I can go and be in the presence of God? You know what? When you empathize, you'll say, I don't care if it's my gift. I'm going to serve and make room for that mom or that dad to have an encounter with God, to get recharged and filled up with love. I pray that you guys, listen, many of you in here would just, just leave today and say, that's it, I'm filled up with empty. If I'm going to be a part of revival and expanding to the right and to the left, maybe I need to hold a baby as if I'm sitting in a cave in Bethlehem and Mary has just handed me her newborn Oh, what way you would have cared for the Savior of the world. That is exactly how we see the next generation here at Calvary. We look into their eyes before they can utter words and see their value and see Jesus in them, see God's plan over them and say, I'm going to make room for mama and daddy to have an encounter with Jesus so they can be like rocket fuel on the plans for their sons and daughters. So you should go and approach Pastor Carl and say, or, or Celeste, by the way, and say, all right, that's it. I'm going to serve in the nursery. Let me give you, let me give you another one. Um, we need to steward the opportunity to energize. So we steward the opportunity to evangelize, all ease, okay? Evangelize, empathize. But you need to steward the opportunity to energize. This is so good. We'll go back to that verse that we just ministered to. Remember, we're going into new territory. We're going into new territory as believers. Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts, you receive power. You got to steward the opportunity to energize. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
unlocks a secret for every born-again believer. And this is what a lot of people don't understand about being uh, someone who represents Christ. I'm going to show you how you're supposed to minister to people and what you're supposed to minister to people, or rather, who. 2 Corinthians 3.14, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Notice verse 6. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Listen, first of all, you need to understand you're a minister, not based upon the letters that come behind your name and the degrees and the years of theological study that you have made. No, no, no. Jesus makes you competent as a minister. But what kind of minister? A new covenant minister. And what do new covenants New covenant ministers minister the Holy Spirit to people. That's what this verse just said. We are called to minister the Spirit of God to people. And what do we do lots of times? We simply want to minister the letter of the law to people. Did you know that if you go and tell a sinner, don't do that. They will do exactly what you said not to do. Trust me, I tried it on all my children. <laughs> Little sinners until Jesus came thundering in. In the name of Jesus. You know this is the way it works. Oh, but if you would minister by the Spirit of God. If you would minister the Spirit of God to people, you say, how do you do that? With your mouth. Are you giving them anything to move on? Are you saying something over people that gives him room for a miracle? You say, what does it look like? It looks like Acts chapter 3. When Peter and, Peter and John were going up to the temple on the hour of prayer. Now look at, listen, I want to read this to you. Because God uses our faith-filled words to release miracles. The miracle working power of God. Acts 3 says, Peter looked straight at the man who couldn't walk, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. By the way, you know what he didn't do? He did not exhibit false humility. By the way, look at Jesus in me. You know what that is? False humility. Don't look at me. Here he says, no, look at me. Why? Because he was fully surrendered to Christ. And he said, if you're seeing me, you're seeing a manifestation of Christ. Because that old person died and the person that's now living is alive to Christ. Buried in him. Now listen to what he says. He says, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk! He took the opportunity to energize. You say, what does that mean? Well, empathy is to reactively feel what another feels. But to energize is to proactively affect the way that they live. 
When you say, I'm going to partner with the Holy Spirit, it means there is power available to change your life. There is power to drive out darkness. There's power to break chains. There's power for healing if we would only dare to take the opportunity to energize. What did that look like? Did, Did Peter and John say, all right, everybody, let's join hands. All right, close your eyes. No peeking. Oh, Father, you've seen how much this guy hurts from laying on the ground. That's what we think we should do. Most of us live that way. But if you'll take the opportunity and you're submitted to God and you'll walk with God, it's time that you just walk up into some places and say, what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You say, is that presumptive? Not when you've died. Not when God is ordering your steps. Not when God is holding the reins of your life. Now, if you're just running all willy-nilly through life and you just try to cast out some demons on your own, you got no authority, you might leave naked and afraid. Read the Bible, Acts 16. 19, rather. <laughs> Acts 19. Sons of Sceva. Not a good day. Naked, bleeding, beat up. But when you're submitted to God, you can speak to situations and believe that if I say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in my heart, but believe those things that I say, I will have them. So when I pray, I believe, I receive, and I will have it. Mark 11, 23 and 24 for everybody who is offended. At what I just said. <laughs> God uses our faith-filled words to release the miracle-working power of God. But listen, it's not always about the spectacular. Sometimes we seek, we're seeking the spectacular and we miss the supernatural. Because sometimes God wants you to energize a fellow believer who's going through life, getting choked out by some circumstances. Maybe they opened a door. Maybe there's some sin issues going on. And do you know what God wants to use to turn around that situation? His words on your lips. Read Hebrews 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily while it's still called today so that none of you, listen to me, so that none of you, I'll say it again, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, your words dripping with Holy Spirit power can prevent a heart from getting hard toward God. When you begin to say what he's saying and when you declare what God has already said in that book, here's all of a sudden the Holy Spirit moves in power, softens a heart, and opens the door for him to work and restore and renew. Or it keeps someone's heart tender So that they can receive the good news of Jesus Christ. 
You want to expand to the right and the left? And take new opportunities to evangelize. Take new opportunities to empathize. And take guys them with the power of the Holy Spirit, saying what God is saying, and declaring over them the truth.